0: Welcome to the May Contain Wine podcast, brought to you by Wine, Women, and Wellbeing. I'm your host, Lisa Webb, and together we're going to get to know incredible women doing all kinds of interesting things. So grab a glass and get ready to be inspired by the amazing women in our global community. Hello, my friends. Today I am here with Julie Cole, who is a recovering lawyer, a mom of six. And the co founder of Mabel's Labels. She has helped her company bring their product to a worldwide market, gain media recognition, and win countless awards. Julie is a passionate entrepreneur, writer, and sought after speaker. She is no stranger to the media, having appeared on NBC's The Today Show, HLN's Raising America, Breakfast Television, The Marilyn Dennis Show, CP24, among many others. Her articles have appeared in The Huffington Post, Today's Parent, the Globe and Mail, Profit Magazine, Working Mother Magazine, and numerous websites. When she's not juggling her busy family and professional life, she is an engaging community member, serving on boards and volunteering. Julie is passionate about women's issues, mentoring young entrepreneurs, and social justice. Hello, Julie. How are you? Hello, Lisa. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Thank you for being here. I'm excited because I just feel like I need to say, wow. Like, I don't know which wow to start with. Wow. On what you've created. Wow. On all of your children, <laughs> how you did both at the same time. Um, can you well, walk thank
1: us through you. Um, a little bit wasn't of your It not always a walk in the park. I can I, assure you.
0: <laughs> I imagine not. And that's kind of what I want to get to here. So um, let's, let's map out your journey a little bit. If you want to start there for us.
1: You bet. Okay. So actually it's so crazy because Mabel's labels is just turning 19 years old right now as we speak this month. So we're having our 19th birthday sale going on at Mableslabels.com. Um, so yeah, 19 years ago, we started, and I started with three, my sister and two of our friends. And, um, I always say when you go to start something, you know, know your why and Mabel's labels came about for two reasons, really. One was that, As young moms, we noticed a product missing from the marketplace. You know, our kids were losing things and we were using like Sharpies and masking tape and and it wasn't quite doing the job. So we thought, oh, there must be a great labeling product out there that is dishwasher safe, microwave safe, personalized, cute. And there wasn't. So that was our first why we found, you know, a gap in the marketplace. And the second why, which is why I'm a recovered lawyer is because at the time, my then three-year-old, who was my oldest, he already had two younger siblings, but at the time he got diagnosed with autism. And I didn't think that the traditional workforce was going to suit my family anymore. I wanted to be able to advocate for him, set up some good programs for him. And I just needed a little more flexibility. So that's when I said to the co my co-founders. Okay. What do you think? Should we do this now? We've had this great idea. And they're like, yep, let's do it. And there, there we went. Just like that. Just like that.
0: Okay. And so you make, you make that sound really easy, which I love. Like, I'm like, oh, we could just start anything, but I mean, there had right. to be, like, <laughs> I mean, because sure. you're a big deal. So like, how did, like, where, what is your grassroots? Like for people thinking like, well, how did she get to where she is? What's the first step that you did like right back so, to 19 years ago?
1: Yeah, right. So then, you know, then we got to work. And it was funny because when we first launched, people were like, "Oh, this! I can print those labels off my computer at home." And it's like, "No, you can't." Um, so we did a lot of—I mean, we had to do a lot of research to find the material and to find the equipment that would do what we wanted to do. We needed to really understand our market, which wasn't so hard for us because we were our market, exactly. Um, you know, which was helpful. And then we we set up in my sister's basement, and that's where that's where the real work came. You know, we were. Putting kids to bed at like seven eight o'clock and then going to my sister's basement making labels till two a.m. and then getting up at six with kids and doing and doing it all again and uh, you know I do find that people tend to romanticize entrepreneurship and I can tell you it's really really not glamorous for a very long time and you know there wasn't like putting kids to bed and having a glass of wine or watching a show. Like there were no shows, there were no, and there were no paychecks for a very long time. So I think people think they're going to start a company and they're going to be like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, get a book deal and I'm going to be doing TED talks and I'm going to be hugely profitable. And like, honestly, you're in a basement making labels for a heck of a long time. So it's a grind where
0: you forgot to wash your hair for like days on end. Right. (laughs) Totally.
1: And there's like, you know, you're giving up, like for me who didn't go back to work, you know, you're giving up a good salary and you're also giving up like, you know, I studied really hard and law school was hard. And, you know, um, so, you know, that was a pivot and often that's what parenthood does. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say now, 19 years later, you know, Mabel's labels, we have gone from the basement and uh, now we're in a 14,000 square foot facility. We have 40 full-time employees. We've won Women Entrepreneur of Canada Award twice, um, which is all really great. But even better is my son now is in his last year at the University of Guelph. He has a driver's license, he has buddies, he has done aid work in Africa. And so, you know, he's uh Mabel's has 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 experienced a lot of success, and, and so has my son. So it's it's all been worth it. I often joke, um, that. And then I say that on my death, but I'll say he's my life's greatest achievement and the other five are okay too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've done a good job, mom. (laughs) Um, where along that way from your sister's basement to the warehouse, take us through the moment where it was like your level up moment, like somewhere you had to make that transition and you were like, you went all in or you just stepped into the warehouse. Right.
1: So it's, that's a really good question because we were in that basement for, you know, a couple of years and it was, it was pretty dingy. I mean, We even had, like, it was so hot down there that we would leave the basement door open to the outside and stray cats would wander in. Like, it was ridiculous. So what happened was then it got to the point where we had to do a couple of hires. So we had a couple of employees and we were like, we can't be having people work out of this basement. There's got to be laws prohibiting this. So... You know what? But we were, you know, we were really watching because we self funded. We didn't go and get loans. We didn't get investments. There were four of us. So we're like, okay, we'll just throw in our money between the four of us and see how we go. Um, so we didn't want to go and get a commercial space. So when we kind of outgrew that basement, we told my sister to buy a bigger house with a bigger base. <laughs> and she did. <laughs> so yeah, when we sister. moved. I know, but then also we were at the point where we could pay her a bit of rent for the basement. Mm-hmm. So she got the bigger house with the bigger basement and we thought we would be in that basement for five years. And we only lasted two. And, um, then we went and then it was time. We were like, okay, we need to, and we'd gone through enough cycles. Then I think we have been around for about five years that we knew we were onto something. We were profitable. We were growing like a hundred percent year over year. So we thought it's time to bite the bullet and get the commercial space. And that's where we've been ever since.
0: Yes. What a feeling. Hey, I bet that was just incredible. Like a surreal moment.
1: Maybe. It really was. And I'll tell you the moment that we really felt like we've arrived, we've gotten there. It was when the last partner quit her day job. When we all like, were no longer doing, this is a side hustle, but it was our full-time jobs and we were able to draw a salary that made it. So we were not starving, you know? <laughs> yep. So that was, it was, it was, yeah. My partner, when she quit her last, her job, we were like, wow, that felt really significant.
0: That the entrepreneur in me literally got chills when you said (laughs) that because I know what a big deal that is. That's huge. Um, so congratulations on that. But like you said, it's not always as glamorous as it seems. Right. So did you have a moment in there when you were ready to throw in the towel? So I'm gonna say
1: that there I, I those early days are scary, right? Like I can remember lying in bed and thinking, like, if this doesn't work, like mm-hmm. the sweat equity we put in and the like just and it's so funny, like Lisa, you know, when you say the entrepreneur you after that, whenever I like drove by a store that was out of business or yes. shut down or I saw I would just start cry cry. Yes like this I became me, such an COVID. entrepreneur empath.
0: <laughs> yes. This is a real thing. Every time it's right. like, we like the horrible state of what COVID has done to small businesses. Yes. Every oh. time I would see a closed down store, my heart would just crumble. Oh, absolutely. It, it's a real thing. That's because you know. share. yes. You and the know sweat what equity piece, piece when you just it. said that sweat equity is a real thing. Like oh, yeah. It's it's pretty serious business. It really is. And so I, I
1: agree with you, Lisa, like that uh, through COVID that and seeing so many businesses shut down it just, it broke my heart every single time. Yeah, for sure. So um, I think the other good thing that kind of kept me going was having my partners, because if one of us was in a bit of a funk or being like, what have we done? What have we gotten ourselves into? The other three were to be like, dude, we've got this. Look, yeah. look, let's look at our numbers. Let's look at what we've got here. So I think that was an advantage of having um, having partners. And I see my solo entrepreneur friends who don't have that. And so I think, you know, I always say your network is your net worth. And that's why I think mm-hmm. it's so important, particularly for solo entrepreneurs to be like in a networking group, to be going to events, be at your local chamber, whatever, because you need that those people to, to run things by because, You don't have that. And you know what it's like when you get in your head and you start doubting and then everybody gets that imposter syndrome and like, not having business partners to help you through that. Um, yeah, definitely make sure you're staying connected. And I think having those business partners is what really got all of us through when we were having those, those scary moments. And also it was super helpful when one of us would have a baby or a sick child. And, and, and also, you know, for us in those early days, I think it really contributed to our early growth because we could divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one person can be, you know, sourcing material. One person could be You know, dealing with the finance stuff, I could be writing press releases and trying to, you know, market us. And so, you know, that really, really helped.
0: Right. And so all of that, all of the growing a business, not to mention having six children, like you're a go-getter, clearly you're a (laughs) go-getter. How do you find balance? What's your go-to, especially in those early days where you were just putting your all into it?
1: Yeah. Look, I, um, I did, I did feel like I had okay balance. Um, I feel like I still do. And, and, and that's because if I feel like something's getting out of whack, then I make a change. Right. And I think we have to remember that we're in control of that. If I feel like I'm working too much and I'm like, okay, you know what, I need to dial it back a bit. Or if I feel like I'm doing too much at home and, you know, I think you really need to a few strategies. I, you know, I, I, I'm productive. Like I, I say no a lot. Like I say no to my kids a lot. I say no to, you know, a lot of events I get invited to. I actually have a 10 point checklist that I tick off before I say yes. Well, I'm so honored you're here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you know, I think, I think entrepreneurs and busy moms, and you know, we've got so much going on, and we've got all these big to-do lists. Um, I, I think have a do-not-do list. What are you doing that you currently should not be doing? Is it time to get a virtual assistant? Is it time to say, look, kids, make your own school lunches? Is it time to say, okay, you know what, guys, we're, we're all taking drinking dinner. You're doing it today. You're doing it today. And you know what? 10, 11 year olds can make dinner. It isn't good, but it's you not doing it. So, you know, I think that's a really important thing is to think, what can I be taking off my plate and yeah. And productivity stuff. I, you know, I do the touch at once principle. I turn off notifications when I'm working on a project. So I don't get distracted. I do the eat the frog. I try to do the thing I want to do least first thing in the morning and get or none. So, you know, I think, um, implementing all those, those things have really, have really helped me. And, and to be honest, I I think my secret sauce really is just my attitude. Like I, I just, I don't take myself too seriously. I am not a perfectionist. Um, somebody, you can come over to my house right now. If it's a state of disarray, I'm okay with it. I don't, I don't actually care if people think my house is messy. I'm like, I've got six kids. Of course it's messy.
0: Exactly. You know, they're they not really
1: talking about, you know, I'm okay with that. And I, and so I think that that really helps. I always say like, sometimes I think my standards are so low. I'm going to trip over them today, <laughs> but but it is that, you know, that is the the secret sauce and, and not needing a lot of me time and i get me time and if you want me time and you need it you take it but i would suggest if you like traditional me time Don't start a business and have six kids. Like, just, just say, just put it out there.
0: (laughs) I think those are the other thing I
1: try not to do, Lisa, is I try not to complain because I feel like complaining really kind of brings me down and it's not helpful. It's not proactive. I've never said I'm tired. And suddenly I get an extra hour sleep at night or a bed arrives in front of me and I get to have a nap. So I I just find complaining really boring. So if I'm tired, then I need to make a change and do something proactive about it. But just saying it is so boring and not helpful.
0: I think those are all such great tips. And so obviously you've had some moments. Do you think, do you have a specific moment of resiliency in business that you could share with us? Oh, that's a good one. Um, A Specific moment. Um, or a time, a time in your yeah. business where you, you as a company or as a mom or as a person needed to be resilient. I think,
1: yeah. You know what? I feel like, I feel like it was almost like a constant state because I, you know, I always think when you are an entrepreneur, the one thing you have to do is be comfortable with being uncomfortable because as soon as you think you're you've got this you know like say you know we got to the point where we're doing okay we're doing a million in sales so we know exactly what that looks like we know how much equipment we need we know how many employees that looks like and then boom something happens next year at 5 million in sales that means okay now we need more equipment now we need more hires now we need to and and I think I think that the hiring people is the, the humans are the, t- the tough part because, and it's the most important part because your, your staff is your, they're your best brand amb- ambassadors and you want to make sure you get the right people on the bus. You want to make sure they're fit for your culture. And I will say probably uh, a tricky time for us was when we hired managers. So when we hired the worker bees who were like making the labels and getting them out the door, we were fine. But a real challenge, I think for entrepreneurs, um, we all tend to be a little bit control freaky, right? Because it's our baby. I don't know you what know you're talking about, it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think for us is when we had to hire managers because it was time. Um, it was very difficult for us to let go of the reins and let them do their jobs. And I think it's very important that business owners don't micromanage their um, managers because if they do, they will not retain them, and if they do, they also are going to be so busy, still in the weeds, still putting out the brush fires, doing all that. So they're still so busy working in the business that they're not working on the business. So we need to let the managers do their jobs, make mistakes, learn from them. And if you give them that, that if you give them that space and that time, then they're going to be more entrepreneurial. They're go- going to have skin in the game. They're going to be loyal and you're not going to do you, but it is it, it's hard to make that happen. It was only really hard for us.
0: Yes, I I think that's great. Sorry, I I might have lost you there for a second, but you froze. <laughs> I I, th- I think we're back. Um, I think that's all great advice, and and I love how you're you're shedding a light on. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen overnight. There's learning for all of us there that you just think you're there and then you get to a new place and then more growth. And it's always, it's a constant like uphill climb, growth, climb, growth. Um, and, and by growth, I mean, both, yes, your business is growing, but you have to grow and stretch personally to adapt to the changes as well.
1: That is so, so very true. And you know, that can, that can be tough. And then um, on the same time, like for, for me, you know, um, and for many of us, we're also dealing with, okay, so a growing family and my kids all have different needs and I've got a couple kids who aren't neurotypical. And, you know, at one point I had six kids in six different schools because of all their, you know, all their different learning types and styles. So you're also managing, you know, your family, but you know, I, the mom who wants who, and has big goals outside of her family is still the same mom who has big goals for her family. And, uh, you know, the, they, they, they don't live in isolation. They can live together quite harmoniously and they, and they, and they do, but it's not without effort and it's not without work and it's not without getting help and asking for help and putting that hand in the air and waving that white flag once in a while. I, I mean, I got a nanny. Um, I got a nanny when my fifth kid turned one, that was three kids too late. You know, (laughs) I'd say But I think we get into at least I think something that some sometimes like moms who are entrepreneurs do is, you know, I got in that stupid headspace where I'm like, well, why would I get help? I mean, I'm I've started a business so that I can be with my kids. So I wouldn't get help with my kids. And it's just that whole, yeah, like, don't take don't listen to that voice. Get the help for goodness sakes.
0: Yeah, we need the help. Absolutely. We need the help. Is there someone that you look up to in business or a mentor or whether it's someone, you know, or don't know who along the way, have you looked up to as someone you respect and admire?
1: Yeah, look, I'm going to to say, I think it's super important that, um, mentoring is important. I do a lot of mentoring now and I have a lot of mentors. Um, I would say, interestingly, the women folk in my life have been um, great role models. I am a big believer in having peer mentors. I've been part of a, a group um, of women for oh man many years now. And we're all peers. We all are kind of doing the same thing, but we don't compete. We just raise each other up and we meet and we're all super busy, but we know how important it is. We actually have a getaway at a cottage next month together. And, you know, we come to the table and we bring um, you know challenges we we bring celebrations we help each other out we give suggestions we give referrals if I can't do a TV segment i'll pass it off to one of them they do the same for me um, so I do think surrounding yourself by supportive women is so important I happen to have been raised by a really cool mom who has been very supportive I love my grandma she passed away a few years ago and she was always full of great advice she was an old Irish granny who was one of 21 children. And she, uh Whoa. she very much was a feminist. Um, And she, oh, so many gems from her. I can remember, I always used to be scared telling her I was pregnant. When I went and told her I was pregnant <laughs> with the sixth, because she grabbed my arm and say, Julie, you girls don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> you know, because she was from that era where she loved raising her kids, but she saw how much work it was and the burden it could be and it, and and at times it was mind numbing for her it wasn't you know she really needed she was academic and she was home raising children right so it was it was very hard for her but the other thing that she really taught us was to be super confident but also humble and how she did that is she always say julie you're as good as the rest of them and better than none <laughs> And I, I
0: think that just applies to everyone. (laughs) Absolutely. I think that is a perfect segue for me to hit you with a few of our wine, women and well-being rapid fire questions. Oh boy. Are you ready? It doesn't have to be you, you choose how rapid you want to be. It could be rapid or lengthy. (laughs) (laughs) If you could sit down and share a bottle of wine, a glass of wine, and just have a conversation with one woman living or dead. Who would you want to sit down for conversation with?
1: Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Uh, I don't know how to answer that. I mean, besides your grandma because I kind of feel like I I was gonna say it It would just like bring granny back put the pop the kettle on and we'll have another like cup of tea and just have her back for five minutes and catch more of her amazing wisdom I was lucky though because she lived to 101 so wow gotcha um I think right now and I was actually I've been lucky to have met her a couple times I wouldn't mind having a a glass of wine with Brené Brown or a cup of tea actually for her um as well and uh because she I, I think she um she brings a lot of wisdom, uh, to the table. And, uh, if anybody is looking for, um, a good read, a uh, good
0: podcast, uh, check out Brené Brown. Anything, anything and everything that she has. Do you love? I, I love, I yeah. love Brené Brown. When yeah. you said I've met her a couple of times, it just had like a big wave. of. I know. Like, wow. I know. You're I've been lucky. So lucky. I've met her
1: at a couple of conferences. So yeah, yeah I, I have everything animal.
0: she's ever written, podcasted yeah. all, all of the things. Good stuff. Um, so hey, that's a good answer then. That's a perfect answer. <laughs> what is your go to well being or self-care practice?
1: Um, okay. So I would say that I do try to go to the gym a couple times a week. I will say um I also walk with my children. We hike. Um, so I think moving my body is probably what I try to do. Um I know sometimes it gets tough and it's hard to carve that time for ourselves, but it is, it is so, so very important. And I feel like now, because the age I am, I'm about to turn 51 and I feel like right now I'm investing in how I'm going to be feeling 20, 30 years from now. So I feel like this is a really important time in my life to do all the things so that I'm mobile and active and can chase after all those grandchildren that I hope to have one day.
0: (laughs) That's a wonderful perspective favorite book or podcast recommendation?
1: Oh, well, I'm going to tell you this I am writing a book and it's getting published in May yeah and out. so I'm just gonna use this book opportunity yeah, tell us. To a little like yeah, so it's getting published in um in May and it's um it's called like a mother and it's uh, full of, business hacks, life hacks, parenting hacks. I think it'll be, it'll be a bit of fun. It's right now, um, in editing. So it's off my plate for the moment, which is such a relief. You know, when you like <laughs> write that last exam or you hand in that last paper at university, it feels like that times a bazillion. So it's interesting. Cause I, I, I thought I would like the writing process, but it did, it weighed on me a bit. It, it yeah. felt like that, you know, when you always have, um, It feels, it felt a little bit like whenever I was doing something, I should have been doing that.
0: I know that feeling.
1: You know that feeling? I know that feeling. So I could be having a good time, but in the back of my head, I'm like, I should be writing. I could be, you know, and yep. I'm doing a podcast with you. I should be writing. So it never really left. So it was, yeah, it was kind of nice to hand that off. Now it'll come back to me with the edits and I'll have to deal with it again. But we're getting there. Like we're getting the fun part.
0: We did the photo shoot for the book cover and that stuff. So Congratulations. I'll, uh, I'll definitely send you a copy, Lisa, when it's out. I can't wait to read it. Um, what does sisterhood mean to you? uh sisterhood is about and I
1: literally love sisterhood I've got a couple of sisters and my sister lives in my court like our our kids just run back and forth and our dogs do too it's just like cousin palooza around here (laughs) um but I am a firm believer in in supporting each other we raise each other up we clap when somebody wins always and uh and that's what it is. I mean, it's being there. It's not being judgmental, and uh, yeah, I think the really important part is clapping when they win. And if you stop clapping when your friends win, you need to take a look at yourself, and you need to talk to a therapist, and you need to figure out what is going on with you that you re- you've stopped clapping.
0: I love what you just said, and I think we need to take a megaphone and we need to shout what you just said. From the rooftops, because again, with the chills, we need to clap. And sometimes there's not enough mm-hmm. clapping.
1: Yeah. Thank and you, you know, people think you don't notice, like I, like people think they're like, oh, she's got that many followers or she's got that many friends on social. And we notice, I notice when I notice who doesn't clap when I win, mm-hmm. you do notice, you know, and you're like, wow, isn't it interesting that anytime I have a success, this person doesn't like it or doesn't make a comment. And you do notice, you know, and those things can be hurtful. So, and I would say, you know, so, so surround yourself with the people who do elevate you. And it's okay to to exit relationships. It's okay to, if there's a toxic friendship, to and and you know, the unfollow is a wonderful tool on social. <laughs> you know, if somebody's putting things in their feed that just don't drive with you and, and don't fit then it's okay. And if it brings you down, just you can unfollow. And and it's a wonderful thing. So um, just remember that, you know, and and the other thing too, is, if you're not in a good room,
0: move rooms. Or if you're the smartest person in the room, find a new room, always challenge yourself as well. Yes. Okay, last question for you. What advice would you give to your 16-year-old self? Oh, interesting.
1: Um, You know, I'd probably be like, you're on the right track, kid. You know, keep doing what you're doing and uh you'll be all right. Just just be yourself. Um,
0: and and it'll all work out. Julie, thank you so much for sharing your story, for being an inspiration. Where can everybody find you if they want to connect with you on social? Oh,
1: that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So obviously mapleslabels.com, but if you want to learn more about me specifically. Um, you can find out about me at Mableslabels.com slash Julie Cole. But of course I'm on all the things. I'm on Insta at Julie Cole Inc. and at Mabel's Labels, our company, um, and on Facebook and Twitter and yeah, I'll, I'm not really on TikTok yet. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It's it's a, <laughs> it's a tricky space to navigate. It is. I mean, Mabel's Labels is there. Um, It's a little bit out of my um, age range, quite frankly. I think my kids would kill me. They're fine with me on Facebook. They don't let me tag them on Instagram, but navigating a bunch of teenagers in social media, can be tricky business too.
0: I would say so. (laughs) It has been lovely speaking with you and I can't wait just to connect with you again in the future. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Lisa. Today's episode of May Contain Wine is brought to you by The Sister Brand. Real-life sisters Lana and Laura empower women everywhere to design your life. From interiors to business branding, The Sister Brand inspires not only new spaces, but renewed mindsets. Follow The Sister Brand on Instagram, now offering e-consults worldwide and full-scale design services in the Edmonton area. You can find their trademarked Woman Up apparel at thesisterbrand.com. Thanks for listening friends. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and recommend us to a friend. Head to winewomenwellbeing.com to find out more about what our community is all about and reach out to us on social media. We'd love to connect. Until next time, stay classy, stay kind.